Uh, you can come into my office one day and you don't have to explain your blackness. You don't have to explain, you know, why it is that you feel certain ways about certain things and no one really understands. And I think me and you both, we've been in predicaments where we have been the only woman of color, or only black woman in uh, a professional situation. And we know the detriment that microaggressions and just all of those things play on your psyche, the imposter syndrome sometimes, and just all of these different things that we have to battle with, the code switching on a daily basis and all of these things. We have to contort ourselves. And I don't want people to have to do that when they come into an office called Honest Urban Therapy. Understand that this is what you're going to get. What's up, go-getters? Welcome to Get Into It Podcast. My name is Jay Amanda. I'm a UX researcher, international psychology student, mama, and so much more. I leverage my experience in corporate America, interesting stories from my personal life and academia to deep dive into complex topics such as culture and tech from a psychological standpoint all while trying to balance everything successfully. All right, let's get into it. What's up, Go-Getters? It's your host, Jay Amanda. Thank you for being here. Y'all, we have had some amazing guests for Women's History Month, and I am just so proud that they all agree for us to be together and record with me this month. It's been amazing, amazing experience, especially since the podcast is still super new. Now, today we have a very special guest by the name of Tavoya Bell, whom you'll meet later, but she is definitely someone who deserves all the praise and accolades. And just so you know, we've known each other since the sixth grade, and she is still someone I am super happy to call friend. Now, a little FYI, we did record this via Zoom, so you may hear a special guest, <laughs> which will be Tavoya's five-year-old. He came to visit us. I am trying to research better software for interview style recording and editing, so if you all have suggestions, definitely let me know. DM me, email me. We love to see it. So before we get into today's episode, I have another absolutely amazing woman highlight, and that is none other than Kimberly Bryant. Kimberly is the founder and executive director of Black Girls Code. It's a nonprofit organization that focuses on providing technology and computer programming education to African-American girls. Inspired by her daughter, not having proper resources to fuel her curiosity, she started Black Girls Code. She is dedicated to changing the face of technology and by introducing girls of color ages 7 through 17 to the field of technology with a concentration on entrepreneurial concepts. She also just so happens to be a Memphis native. Make sure you go and follow her on IG for Black Girls Code and Twitter at the number six, Gems, G-E-M-S. And also make sure you go and visit www.blackgirlscode.com. All right, let's get into it. Recording works way. Okay, so I am so excited to have Miss Tavoya Bell with all the accolades here. This is my friend from... Shoot, was it first grade? When, birth? When was it? It was actually probably about sixth grade. Valentine's Day. No, because I, I came to Valentine in sixth grade. Oh yeah, I don't know if you want to get into the. I do. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> All the memories are flushing back. So okay. before we get into it, as usual, you guys know we are going to do some rapid fire questions so you can get to know Tavoya a little bit better. I'm super excited to see how you're going to answer these questions. Now, if you've never played rapid fire before, basically what it is, is I say a phrase or a word. You say the first thing to come to your head. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. If you see me looking to the side, it's just my other computer screen. Okay. I'm not tricking you. I promise. You ready? Uh, I think I am ready. 
Okay, I'll start you out with something easy. Who makes the best psychologist? Who makes the best psychologist? A person who can listen with empathy. I love it. See, look at you. Early riser or night owl? Oh, night owl, definitely. Mm-hmm. What's something many people don't know about you that you wish they did? That I am not as nice as I look. This is true. Okay, okay. Chocolate, yay or nay? Nay. Ugh, gross. I forgot about that. There's judgment. Favorite holiday? <laughs> I'm probably Christmas. Okay. Having a little one. Mm-hmm. Favorite type of movies? Oh, definitely anything fantasy, like Harry Potter, Marvel comic movies, all of those. Love them. So wait, are you a gamer? I am not a gamer. Husband's a gamer, not me. Okay, because you would like um, like The Sims mm-hmm. or, uh, I'm trying to think of the other one. Um, now, in the 90s, late 90s, I played The Sims, you know, back when we were first getting computers in our home because they were affordable, but no, I... Got away from gaming. Now, a couple of these questions are going to be more Memphis-driven. Okay, come on. Come on. (laughs) Okay, because we have this, um, I I have another friend, and we have this debate all the time. Fish and spaghetti, is it a whole meal or a side dish? Oh, it's a whole meal. Thank you. Thank you. Fish and spaghetti go together like peanut butter and jelly. Thank you. See, thank you. I, I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna save this part just for so she can watch it. <laughs> and I'm from North Memphis, by the way. Uh, exact same. Mm-hmm. Now, heels or kicks? Ooh, we in my heyday heels. <laughs> uh, you couldn't pay me to put on no tennis <laughs> shoes, but these days I'm gonna put on some some nice kicks. Uh, I keep my chucks handy. <laughs> you sound like somebody's over the age of 27. Mm-mm. <laughs> I stopped at 27, just so you know. Okay, <laughs> okay fly or road trip? Fly or road trip? Oh, I definitely prefer to fly, but since my husband is a driver, he always wants to road trip. Really? You would think he would want to get on a plane? No, he wants to drive everywhere. He feels like I need to see the scenery. Well, if you look out of the plane window, you can see. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, okay. This one is more specific to you currently. Pearls or diamonds? Oh, pearls, definitely. I'm a <laughs> pearl girl all the way. Stop it. 20 of them, preferably. <laughs> Thank you for that. Okay, if you could eat any meal, what would it be? One meal. One meal. My mama's spaghetti. Okay. My mama's just my mama's spaghetti. Um, it, it could have fish or pork chops or chicken with it, any of those things, but my mama's spaghetti. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's a good decision. Okay. What phrase best describes your approach to life? Go with the flow or organize organization is the best therapy. Go with the flow. hmm Go with the flow. Like Locks or loose natural. Oh, locks. I'm a lock girl all the way. Been locked for the last almost four years now, and this is the best decision I ever made. That four years have went by, because I remember when you first got, wow, why did I think that was last year? And I'm looking at your pictures online, I was like, wow, it's grown so fast. It looks good. It's been four years. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah, it's beautiful. One day I'll figure out what I'm going to do with my hair. (laughs) Where, Where would you go for a dream vacation? For a drink, oh, the uh, the Maldives, definitely. Yes, you know you can go there now, and you don't have to have a mask because you're tested so many times. You're tested seventy two hours before you leave wherever you're departing, and then you have to test again once you get there, and then you test again once you're in your villa, and you enjoy yourself, mask free. Okay, just so you know, I've been looking into it. So- <laughs> you can't tell okay so last question this is a trick question just so you know but not a bad one all right now this is for all my memphis peeps that listen in which part of the city is the best part of the city oh the north side quit playing (laughs) you already know 
you already know. I'm from a little area called High Park. Uh-huh. I graduated from Northside High School, so I'm all about North Memphis. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, because I don't get to talk to many North Memphis people. I'm surrounded by South Memphis people. Yeah, I don't do South Memphis. I love them, but yeah, I just I love them. I understand. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're there. <laughs> We're there. Okay. Well, that was fun. You did amazing. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. So now, like I told you before, I feel like I would not do you justice. So can you introduce yourself and a little bit about your story to the audience? Okay. Well, you've already said my name. It's Tavoya Bell. I am currently a provisionally licensed professional counselor in the state of Mississippi. I'm also a certified mental health therapist and a nationally certified counselor. So I'm working towards full licensure um, in Mississippi, Tennessee, and Arkansas. So that way, eventually, when I'm able to, I'm going to open up a full-time private practice. So that is the the main goal. Went to school a long time, may go back one day. I went to Dillard University, Arkansas State University, and Capella University. So right now, uh, I'm not in school or anything like that. I am taking care of home and family. I've been married, what, this year will be eight years? Yeah, eight years. This year will be eight years. I have a five-year-old. Currently trying to talk my husband into number two, but we'll see how that works. Um, I've been working in community mental health for the last few years now, uh, particularly with a program called MyPAC, which is Mississippi Youth Program Around the Clock. And it's a program that is for high acuity youth. They're at risk of being displaced from the home. And so we go into the home and we do intensive uh, therapy in the home with the youth and the family. So most of The people I work with are, like I said, kids, child from from ages five all the way up to 21. Um, And I I love it so much. I enjoy working with children and their families and helping these kids stay in the home because I feel like the home is the best place for them. Um, My love of mental health comes from a personal place, dealing with mental health in my own family. Um, My own, some of my siblings have had certain disorders that they've needed assistance with. And part of the reason why I became a therapist is to try to help not only them, but other people like me navigate this system because it it wasn't set up for us. And that's really what drives me is that I want to help other communities of color, especially the black community, navigate the mental health system. I am so glad you said that because I resonate with all of that, especially the part when you say, you know, it's personal to you because the system is not made for us. Right. And it makes it that much more important when you've seen the struggles behind it. And if you're not licensed, if you don't know the proper resource, you don't know what to do. And you accept all of these diagnoses, which could be misdiagnoses, you know, or misdiagnoses. Usually. Exactly. They usually are. Um, that's a little bit what, um, I'm studying now when it comes to international psychology, only there's no, there's not really any therapy involved. That's basically making people aware of different types of cultures and how we basically changing the narrative. Because when you talk about psychology, sociology, people don't want to talk to us. (laughs) They don't want to talk to us. They all already assume, rightfully so. You don't really want to talk to a psychologist because you assume medicine, you assume psychiatry, and there's no, there's not really trust there. But then when you have someone that comes that looks like you and you're down to earth and it's just like, okay, no, I'm here for you. I'm not here to say, I know better than you. This is what we're going to do. This is my plan. That is um, super, super important. And you said you wanted to open up your own practice. Now, I've been following that page online, which I love because I have a bunch of questions about that. Can you talk a little bit about Honest Urban Therapy? I love the name, by the way. Okay, thank you. So Honest Urban Therapy is exactly what the name says. Um, My hope, I remember this was probably maybe about 10 odd years ago. And I had this vision and a dream and I woke up and I wrote down in this notebook that I had. And the vision was for something called hood therapy. 
And the acronym that came to me was Helping Others Out Daily. And I always tell people, I consider myself a hood therapist because I grew up in a very urban area. Like I said, the North Memphis area of Memphis, Tennessee, in the neighborhood known as Hyde Park, which was a very low income, very crime infested area. The high school I went to was always on the felon schools list and there was just no outlets. I had a terrible guidance counselor in high school. And so the driving force behind me is like, okay, I want people to have a place where they can come to and feel comfortable speaking about those issues that we've been taught are supposed to be kept behind closed doors. You know, there's this stigma, especially in the black community that we don't go, we don't go get help. You know, we pray everything away or we go talk to the pastor at church. And as you know, the main say you can have Jesus and a therapist, too. And that's true. And Very so true. my thing, my thing is I want people that look like me and other communities of color to be able to come in and feel comfortable. Uh, you can come into my office one day and you don't have to explain your blackness. You don't have to explain, you know, why it is that you feel certain ways about certain things and no one really understands. And I think me and you both, we've been in predicaments where we have been the only woman of color, or only black woman in uh, a professional situation. And we know the detriment that microaggressions and just all of those things play on your psyche, the imposter syndrome sometimes, and just all of these different things that we have to battle with, the code switching on a daily basis and all of these things, we have to contort ourselves. And I don't want people to have to do that when they come into an office called Honest Urban Therapy, understand that this is what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. So that's my dream. That's my hope. And it's going to say hood therapy somewhere on there. And you're going to know that hood therapy is for helping others out daily. Because my thing is, I want to help you move past whatever is ailing you. You know, get to a place of total well-being, mental, physical, spiritual. And that's that will be the goal of Honest Urban Therapy. So I hope that gives you sort of a broad overview of what my vision is for for that. No, that's at look, that is perfect. And you hit on so many topics. Of course, I agree. And I'm thinking, OK, hood therapy is really like it's, it's a holistic approach that you don't really see many therapists go through I think maybe the new age ones you know around our age you know yeah. things like that um but to be honest with you outside of being empathetic you have to have experienced something like that's a manager uh coming in straight out of college no offense to the college students I love you but straight out of college and saying this is how you should be doing your job you never worked the front desk <laughs> you know you don't know how to deal with customers because you never had that experience. And then you take that same type of mindset, that mentality into a medical type of, uh, a psychological type of setting, and you're trying to heal someone, you don't even understand. Say for instance, okay, you spoke on, you know, we don't, we don't go to therapy. We have both heard what happens in this house stays in the house. Yes. And if you don't understand that, <laughs> there's no way you can help me by saying, oh, well, that's not true. You should talk to someone. You're not telling me why. You're not telling me that it's okay. You're not even telling me why they felt that way. Because even to heal, you have to start to understand and then get this, um, this notion out of your head that once you're healing, that you're automatically healed. You don't go in there. No, 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 that's painful. Healing is painful. It's a process. It is. It is a process. And I think a lot of times that's what our community has failed to realize. Okay. There's so much generational trauma that we're not going to get past these things overnight. Mm -hmm. And we have to start having these tough conversations. We have to start. Okay. Just like you, if you have diabetes, you're going to go see the doctor. If you have high blood pressure, you're going to go see the doctor. If you are feeling depressed, if you are feeling anxious or whatever the case may be, if you are having psychotic symptoms, you are going to go see somebody. And that needs to be become commonplace among especially communities of color. Like we we you can't you can't hide that person in the attic or sweep it under the rug any longer. 
You know, it's it's time out for all of that. We need to move forward in this place of healing as a community. And you think about all of the events of last year, the, the, the protests, the killings and everything, and how we're also in a pandemic and that impacted so many communities of color and people are looking like, okay, where do we go from here? What do we do from here? Mm-hmm. And go get you some help. There are so many outlets. Um, therapy for Black girls, therapy for Black men, um, just psychology today. Like, go somewhere, Google, even Taraji P. Henson, you know, with the Boris Henson Foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, Everybody is on this mental health train, and I'm so glad to see it becoming so mainstream. You look at Charlemagne the God, he's talking about something mental health every day. So you have to input it into the culture and say that this is okay for you to do. Having a therapist is cool. You yeah. know, saying that I I talk to somebody because I know that I have these issues, and don't get me wrong, I'm a therapist, but I have a therapist too because Same. I know that I need a sounding board as well. I need somebody because some days. I wonder how am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. And my therapist helps me with those things. So, you know, we have to make it commonplace that you need something. We need something. Everybody needs something sometime, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, that makes complete sense. I mean, you're you're human. And we and especially when it comes to women, we, we feel like, well, it's been placed on us, especially black women. You got to be superwoman and you need to be strong mm-hmm. because the moment you start complaining, I don't see you anyway. So the moment you start complaining, it's just like, oh, okay, another angry black woman. You know, and that's not the case. It's just, it's so much that, let me break it down for people who don't understand. Because I think we've had this conversation before, but it's, you know what, it has changed throughout the years. Because I remember us talking and we've had like, um, you know, intimate conversations when we were in high high school, you know, about things that have happened to us within our family or with school. And I remember that goddess counselor you were telling me about. I remember that. That has always been in my head. And I, I couldn't understand how an adult would be able to say that to a child that they didn't know. But at the same time, I'm thinking about, I live in a house with an adult <laughs> that's talking to me, you know, this type of way as if he hates me. And I'm like, we're related. <laughs> you know, how does this work? So, um, yeah, but when it comes to women, Black women, this this stigma that's been put on us, you got to be strong. But on top of that, you know, he, let me put some more stuff on you. But make sure you be a little bit feminine. Don't be too masculine in your thinking and don't rock the boat, but be an individual. But don't be too far outside of the box. Like, where do you, where do you go? Where it's, do you so, it's so much. There is nowhere to go. And it becomes like we carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. Like you said, you have to be in this box, but then you can't be too far in that box because you got to be in this box over here. And like I said, we're constantly contorting ourselves and all of this shape shifting takes a toll on our mental health like regardless even even if we're saying we're strong and i'm one of those people i've always can be considered the strong friend if you've seen the memes check on your strong friend Mm -hmm. and i recently had some things happen in my life where i'm glad that i had a a group of people around me that said okay let me check on tavoya and see how she's doing because she's always our sounding board when we're going through things and now we need to be there for her and we need to have these kinds of impactful conversations and community groups like within our own communities. Like Jessica, we used to talk all, all the time just about different things, about our family lives, about our children and things like that. And hopefully through this, we'll be able to reconnect because I know it's been a while. But this is something that has to happen, especially among Black, black women, because a lot of the burden as far as social justice advocacy, um, mental health advocacy, all of these things tend to fall to us. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have that primary responsibility of stepping up and speaking out for whatever reason we've been charged with this task and we we have to do it. We do. We have to do it. Across. <laughs> you have to point across. I think out of out of everybody, and definitely not, you know, making um or making light or small of anybody else. But if you honestly think about it, you can throw anything at us and we can empathize. We can get it, process it, quickly put aside our feelings. It doesn't matter who you're talking to or about. 
we're in that moment with you. What 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 uh this last election cycle, what did they say? They said trust black women, follow yes. black women, listen to black women. Please do. We 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 are the most consistent group, <laughs> the most consistent demographic when it comes to things, and we always show up and we show out. Right. That, that's that's not you know just an opinion, it is fact. This is what we do. It's absolutely fact. Because mm-hmm. I mean when you think about healers. You think about, you know, um, supporters, moms, all the, and grannies, girl. So, okay. So two part question with that. Okay. It is, <laughs> it's, I agree with you. You should definitely have, you know, your circle, your trusted circle. And I'll say, well, I'll put it in a sense of me explain, cause on the podcast, the people that listen to it, thank you guys. I love you. And I, we're in India now. So love you guys too. But it is. So, um, you, they know that this is a healing journey for me, and it's it's helping because a lot of things I've kept um, on the inside because of where we're from. There are people that think they know me, and they expect me to be a certain way. And depending on who I'm around, I perform. Mm-hmm. I am Jessica to you, Jessica to you, maybe Amanda to you, Jay Amanda. So that's the reason why, like now, I go by Jay Amanda because I'm like. No, no, no. This is me. <laughs> this is really me. Look, I, I had I had to stop myself because we've always I had did. this running joke. You know, I was about to say your whole <laughs> government name that you do not like. So I said, let me let me respect your boundaries and not say the whole government name that I you can because it has legally been changed. It's okay. You will always be Jessica Amanda Yolanda to me, <laughs> no matter what. Just know there are people that still call me that, and I'm like. Here's the thing. I don't really like you. I don't really like you. Not you, as in you, but them. And I'm like, hey, no, we've never been that cool. Don't call me Yolanda. Don't do it. Amanda Yolanda, my fellow clarinet player, first yes. chair, my second chair, because you were just that good, my marching band partner. I mean, you know, and we're being honest. That, yeah, that that's the that's the connection that we have. Me walking down the street to your house, oh, man. you in those pleather pants for the first time. That's that's the connection that we have. Okay, let me let, let's explain that to everybody, right? Because okay. I think this was my, and I'm being honest right here. This was my first trust moment where I. <laughs> I allowed myself to trust another person because, okay, y'all know I grew up in it. Uh, I wouldn't say it was strict, but it was oh, very it was sheltered. <laughs> strict and sheltered. No, big mama. Okay. Big mama. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do much at all. At all. And so, um, so, you know, we just had a record player in the house. We didn't have a radio. So it was like when I went to Snowden... <laughs> Everybody was singing these songs. And you would, like you introduced me to a lot of songs, braiding. <laughs> I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. You're like, it's simple. Just do this. And I'm like, I don't. Okay, cool. You know, but so we were in band one time in band camp, but no, we, so we were literally, in, <laughs> literally, literally, we were in band and what is a Veterans Day parade? I think it was something. One of those parades. Who knows? It was hot. It's always hot in Memphis until it's not, but it's usually hot in Memphis. And the night before, I remember this like it was yesterday. We said we were going to dress similar. And I was like, I don't have anything that you have. Like I wore a bunch of plaid. I wore a bunch of um, sweater vests. Sweater vests were my thing. And the socks up to the knees, like she was still in Catholic school. It was, it was, I got used to terrible. And Mary Jane's, like she was terrible. Because that's the only thing that I wore literally every day, right? And so uh, you're like, no, I'm going to bring you some pants. And I think we went to Rainbow then to get the shirt. I remember shopping for the shirt. It was either with you. It was with you or Liz. It's, it's, it has always been either you or Liz, somebody. <laughs> oh, uh, It's always been uh, one of y'all. Okay. And so, um, I don't remember who I got the shirt with, but it, it was a leopard I'm not a leopard. It was a snakeskin shirt. Yes. It was when a tell you and it was a crop top skin. and the back was out. I was so excited. Let me tell you, when I say snakeskin, it's not a print. It was not a print. 
it was like it felt like snake skin. Like you can almost like it. that sequence kind of yes. shimmery, you know. But and you know, it may not even have been rainbow back then. It may have been like rave or it something like that. It probably from the mall. Was. Yeah. It probably was because we we would oh mall of Memphis. All of the memories. <laughs> Rest in peace. So they <laughs> So you said you were going to bring some pants. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm thinking this woman is going to bring me some jeans. No, she did not. She brought me some, which I would wear now. They're basically leggings with a bell bottom. And I never wore anything that fit like my body. And it wasn't bad, y'all, at all. It wasn't bad. Like looking back on it, it was nothing raunchy. Everything fit. Nothing was like out, but. So just to, just let me explain real quick. So you okay. you know just so the the listeners understand what we co- what we call liquid tights now. You know the liquid tights. Basically, these were those kinds of things, the pleather, and they were bell bottom because yeah. this is what we were wearing in like ninety seven, ninety eight. We were in seventh or eighth grade. One of yeah. them. So this was like ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah. So, so that's what they were and. They were snakeskin shirt, and I yep in the snakeskin shirt, and I think I brought you some platforms to wear some platforms. Yes, some platforms. So I had Jessica styling their profile. Y'all better believe it. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. nobody has pictures because this is we did not grow up in the social media <laughs> era, so oh, I don't know somebody. But I pictures. kept a camera. There's probably pictures she, because I, I did. I kept a camera. You were like the social media influencer if there was one then. Because every turn, there was always a camera in your hand. And I'm like, hey. You know, you're like, no, 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 do this. Pose like this. I'm like, ah. Yes. I, I, I was definitely probably an influencer before influencers were a I, thing. Because I, I, I always so. kept me a disposable camera. And I always got pictures developed. Like I, I have pictures from eons ago. Oh my goodness. Yes. So many photo albums. Stacks I love pictures it. too though. Like stacks of pictures. But you were always, okay, y'all. Tavoya really was like the style guru. I'll say still too. <laughs> but like I can look to her and I'm like, oh, okay, that's what we wear. Hey, Big Mama, <laughs> can I? She's like, no, I don't know about that. <laughs> so, Big, I Big like, Mama thought I was probably not the best influence on Jessica. No, she liked She did. She, I, did. she scared me. She, <laughs> she, scared. she did. She <laughs> terrified. I was like, Big Mama, like, Mama, I'm going down to Jessica's house, but I don't know how long I'm going to be down here because her Big Mama be fussing about she, everything. She did. She fussed a lot. You know what? I um. I think it's because I just gravitated to her more because she was more invested. Mm-hmm. Well, she was really the only one that was invested, you know. And so I didn't I didn't see it that way. But yeah, she was she was very strict. And um it was this one girl that was down the street, two two doors down the street, and she had just turned 12 and she was on her second baby. So that was her thing. She was like, no, this is why you can't play outside. Like, you know, I couldn't go two houses to the left, one house to the right. So then I came into the picture then, and I started asking, can Jessica walk down to so-and-so or can she walk to the store with me? And I would not take no for an answer. So you did always had a little mini Napoleon complex. <laughs> like, okay, big mom, I know you in charge, but this is my friend. I'm making her my friend. She going with me. So I kind of, I kind of made you be my friend. She trusts you. She trusts you. She trusts uh, Liz. And there was another girl that I went to uh, church with. Her name was Quandra. Well, it is Quandra. We still talk. Um, but no, nah, she didn't really trust a lot of people. <laughs> she didn't. because she, she would look at either how you were or how you carried yourself. Or maybe she looked up your parents. She's like, no, I know their parents. And I'm like, how you know, you know their parents? You work for the CIA? I wonder, like, she would know stuff that I didn't know. But, yeah, she liked you. She really liked you. She was scared because before I would leave the house, she was like, hold on, hold my hand. Let me pray over you. I'm like, oh, my God, come on, man. Let me just go. It's down the street. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. I'm invisible. So, but, okay, to, to make all of this make sense, it's important to have that circle that you trust, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But how do you even, as an adult, get to that point where you have that trust circle because 
you like you said, a lot of y'all I don't really talk to, and not because of anybody has done anything or anything like that. It's just like personally, uh, you know, there's time we all have families, um, things are different, but more so as far as me, it's I don't want to seem like I'm failing. I'm working through that. And I'm like, I don't want to tell you that I'm having this, this, and this, because uh, I'll say with you specifically, you, I, and I, I promise you, I'm not just saying this because of the podcast. I promise, I promise. Because hey, I've told uh, Courtney this as well. You're one of those people that I've always held like pretty high because you've oh. always been like super smart, super, uh, just like, um, like the person that everybody wanted to be around. You know what I mean? I'm saying, well, my perspective, my perspective. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the compliment, but, and and I think that's, that's where I guess the line is blurred because I've always kind of felt like sometimes I was ostracized for being this like, okay, I wasn't expected to do these certain things because of, you know, the household that I came out of or the area that I grew up in. And so when I, defied those expectations and I went to college not only did I go to college I graduated and then I went to grad school and then I went back to grad school again you know so these things just just, yeah just weren't expected oh no I didn't you know have a baby as a teenager you know even though you know sometimes girls go through that but it was it was expected for me to do things that were I guess commonplace in our community at the time, like those things, oh, Tavoy is going to be pregnant. Her mom gives her too much freedom. She's yeah. allowed to date. Uh, she's she's going to be on drugs or she's going to do this. So there was all of these negative connotations because my mom was very open with me and allowed me that freedom to be able to express myself. You know, when I felt like I was ready to have sex, I could go to my mom and say, mom, I want birth control. You know, she was that kind of open parent. I could talk to my grandmother about these things and not feel like I was going to have a hammer dropped on my head because I'm speaking about life experiences or whatever the case. And so there were other people around me in the family, like I had family, friends and cousins their daughters weren't allowed to hang with me because they said I was a bad influence, which was, well, I was a bad influence on my sibling. I don't know why I didn't do anything. But, and, <laughs> and, and that's, that's the stigma that they put on us. And then when we defied those expectations, it was like, Oh, okay. Now everybody to you, can you talk to so-and-so, so-and-so or to you, can you, and don't get me wrong. I don't mind doing it at all, but please understand that, you know, you, you, you are eating a lot of crow because of those things that you placed on me. You know, you don't speak ill on other people like that. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But one of the biggest things that I would probably say that I've learned through this, especially growing up the way that we grew up, is that you can't allow other people to write your future for you. And I think that's what they try to do, you know. They always talking about being a product of your environment. You don't have to be a product of your environment. I think a lot of things are about choices. Like I make conscious decisions, even if everybody around me was smoking or drinking. If that was something that I didn't want to do, I didn't do it. Right. You know, I, I've always tried to be a leader and not a follower. And of course, we all fall for peer, peer pressure at some point in our life. But for the most part, I've always tried to make my own decisions and think about how this is going to impact my life because I didn't want to stay in the same situation that I was in. Like that was the goal. How can I propel myself? How can I be better? Because one day I want a family. One day I want a home. One day I want to be able to do these things. And I don't like getting in trouble. So I've never liked getting in trouble. That was really it. I don't like being hollered at, fussed at getting in trouble and you know none of it so what can I do to get myself out of here and stay on the right track and still have fun my kind of fun wasn't everybody else's fun I'm a big dork we were nerds (laughs) yeah we are we 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 are big geeks but we do we do our thing I love the movies I love to read you know and when I partied I partied but I partied in my kind of way right so it, that's, that's just what that is. Don't let other people define what you are going to be based on where you come from, you know, the level of income you have or any of that, because mm-hmm. we all have different things we have to battle and go through. 
exactly. I think we forget about that when we start to put these titles and um, <clears throat> expectations on people based off of whatever insecurities that you may have, um, mm-hmm. which is so, it's so interesting because I'm just now at the place where I hold that true. And that's like the first thing in my mind. And I think it's really because of the kids. I think if I didn't have children, I probably would still be worried about what other people think of me. I've always um, had this kind of like dark cloud over my head. Like, I better not say this because I know I'm going to get in trouble or my family is going to be like, I know they talk about me, (laughs) you know, because I'm always doing something. (laughs) <laughs> and Jessica, this is where I guess you would say you're the yin to my yang, because that's one of the things that I never had. Like, if you know me, you know, I'm going to speak my mind. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't mince words. And so that has been both one of my greatest attributes and one of my greatest detriments, because people have tended to label me as being mean or mm-hmm. aggressive or intimidating. But that's often often the term that black women get when we're assertive or when we don't allow people to treat us any kind of way or when we don't, you know, cower ourselves down or make make ourselves small to appease other people because I've, I've never been that person. So even with my own family and the things that they said, you know, I was still that child like, okay, I don't care. I'm, guess what Tavoya's still going to do what Tavoya wants to do, you know? Um. And I've been that way in a, in adulthood too. Like everybody tells my husband, they were so surprised when he married me. Like you married Tavoya, do you know what you've gotten yourself into? But he appreciates yeah. me for who I am. You, what you said, you were one of those people. No, oh, I said I thought it was cute. I was like, this is a good match because when I first met him, I was like, oh, I could see this. He is my big teddy bear. He is truly my big teddy bear. Yes. He is. And, and he's so into you and you know the family. Look, I'm here for it. I have a different perspective. So thank you. But that that was probably the biggest thing is that people, like I said, they have these unrealistic expectations of you, or they try to put you up on a on a pedestal and expect for you to be one way or do things this way. And I've always tried to be authentically me. Mm-hmm. Authentically, yeah, unapologetically me. Yeah. So yeah, you know, they, I, they, I know that there's a fine line between speaking your mind and being abrasive or rude. And I've I've tried to make sure that I don't overstep those boundaries. But the one thing is that Tavoya is always I'm always going to stand up for myself. I'm always going to stand up for those who feel like they can't speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm just going to be me. Well, see, that was that was the thing with me. I could easily stand up for other people. No problem. No questions at all. Like, boop, I'm talking for you. But then when it came to me, I was just like, oh, well, maybe you're right. And you know, but then when it got, um, no, I really think it was the kids. Because when it got to be, you know, I'm a mom, I'm like, mm-mm, nope, well, we're not going to do. Okay. <laughs> you know, exactly. you're not going to put your mouth on that, <laughs> not me, you know. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but I gave this, uh, I, I just, I still don't think, no, I don't think I mean, but, you know, it depends on who you ask now. Well, Jessica, I've never known you to have a mean bone in your body. God bless your heart. I really appreciate that. You've always been sweet and quirky and sort of out of the box. And that was the reason why I I, I gravitated towards you. Like, and this is, please don't take offense to this, but I have a tendency to gravitate towards people that I feel like are sort of mini projects for me. Like, let me see (laughs) if I can get her to do this or oh, I can see that actually all I can see that somebody like I remember I, I had one one friend like in third grade third or fourth grade it was a young lady that nobody else wanted to play with or hang with because she ate glue okay well and so I was like well I don't care that she eats glue I want to be her friend and so she became my project. Like I'm going to make this girl my friend, and we still keep in contact to this day. If she ever hears this, she'll know who I'm talking about. <laughs> but yeah, I like I, I sort of take on people as 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 projects, and I love them wholeheartedly. Like I love you wholeheartedly. So uh, the young lady that ate the glue, I still love her wholeheartedly. Most of you guys are my friends on Facebook. Like we've maintained some semblance of a relationship throughout all of these years. Yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm sort of, uh, I don't know. But wait, when, when, 
I pick up people. I no, do. I, I, can, pick up people. I can see this, and I appreciate you saying it, but you know what came to me was our, as we started to grow up, you always referenced when we first met. And I was like, so when did I become the project? Right after we first met in sixth grade? Or what happened? <laughs> well, because I, I think, think you 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 all. became the project in sixth grade when you remember when I came to Valentine Elementary, I was immediately judged because I was an 11 year old with a full figure. And yes. so the things that the girls said about me initially were really, really nasty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the adults looked at me like I was fast. Now, I, mind you, I'm an 11 year old. Right. And I can't help the way that I'm built or the way that I'm shaped. And so you were one of the first girls to say hi to me and to be nice to me. And that's mm-hmm. what made me say, OK. She's a little quirky. But I like her. She's nice. So she's going to be my friend. She's you, you. You became my project in that instant when you showed me some semblance of kindness. And that's and, and that's what I have a tendency to do to people in return. I'm going to show you some semblance of kindness. Now, if something comes out of this, then good for me and you. If not, then that's OK, too. But I always have tried to practice. Let me be be kind to those people that have been kind to me. And if you're if you're a nice person, I definitely want you to be my friend. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You need those nice people. You don't need people that are only popular. And then something happened. All your business out there. I, was, I saw that a lot in high school. Not with me, but I was like, oh my god, you guys. Right. And we did not go to high school together we for the list. So we kind of, yeah. It was. A- always wondered why. Why did you go to that high school? I. I, I- thought that you were gonna go to the I thought we were gonna go to the same high school like it just seemed natural to go from Snowden to Central which is the first and the best high school in uh, Memphis Tennessee I don't know about now but then it was you know you can look how you want okay you can look how you want let's just say I don't agree with any of that unfortunately my alma mater is now closed due to closed Yes, North Side is closed due to, and, and I, I'm sure they're about to gentrify the area, and it's going to be something magnificent one day. But wow. that's neither here nor there. But yeah, Central was definitely not the greatest high school because we used to stank y'all in basketball. Like well, here, well, here, here's and the, here. jamborees. Thank you. Well, here's the thing that we weren't that type of school. Okay, you know, we we weren't there for rhythm and blues. Okay, we were there. Hey, we were there for academics. And bowling, swimming, and running. And those things that you thought that my school <laughs> didn't have. Because guess what? I played golf in high school. You did. I played tennis in high school. I was a cheerleader. I saw I the pictures. All of those grand things. You know, my high school was the best. You know what's funny? The cheerleaders at our school always got booed. Like nobody liked them. As soon as they would come out, everybody usually like, yeah. No, they booed. They were like, boo. They wanted the uh, pep squad to come out or something. <laughs> pep squad? No, we yeah. had cheerleaders and majorettes. I don't even think we had a pep squad. Well, you 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 know why there's a difference. So, <laughs> 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 but, okay. So you're you're you. We talked a lot about um, being kind and having um, this circle. How do you advise the kids that you work with? And especially now, since their interactions with people are so different or even non-existent. I find that um, you you have to apply it to the way that they communicate. And these kids are all on Snap and Instagram. And so social media is the new socialization. Mm-hmm. And especially during this pandemic, you know, the kids, they're not, we used to go bowling and go skating and, you know, go to Crystal Palace and all of these kind of go or go to the movies and kids just, everything is social media based. So a lot of it is teaching them how to be a good person on social media, mm-hmm. like understanding that there is social media etiquette, you know, just like if you were with these people in person, how are you going to interact? You need to think about that on social media. Like mm-hmm. about the things that you post, the videos or pictures that you send, the things that you say, because your digital footprint is your resume now. It is. It is. So, and I, I try to help my kids 
and I and I, I call them all my kids because for that period of time that I am their therapist, they are my kids. Or at least I try to treat them like they are, you know, because mm-hmm. I become a confidant for them. And I just try to tell them, like, you have to be aware of what you're doing, what you're saying and what you're posting, because even though you're a child, these things could come back to hunt you. And I, I always give a personal experience about, excuse me, missing out on a job opportunity because of my space, like fresh out of graduate school. This was like 2007, 2008, my first time out of graduate school. And my space used to let you um, make like these little generated codes where they would say something about your name. And so mine said like, uh, T stands for tantalizing and A stands for, you know, just something. And it had sexy or something in it. I don't, I don't know, uh-huh. but it, it was something like that. So anyway, I was actually interviewing for a job with Fisk University at the time. And I had made it past the phone interview and had been asked to um, do a second interview and drive to Nashville to do an in-person interview. Mm-hmm. when I tell you I was preparing for that interview and then I got a call and they rescinded the offer to come interview because they said they looked me up and they saw my MySpace page wow. and they said that <clears throat> what if because the position I was it was like for um student affairs um something or something like that it was like so what if a student were to do the same thing that we did and they were to see this this would not be a good representation of what we're looking for for this particular position Mm -hmm. and I was so crushed and that's when I learned okay this social media stuff is more than what I thought it was because me thinking you know this is my space I've had this MySpace page for a couple of years and it was just something like I didn't even realize it was open and it was public you know, because by this time we had moved on from MySpace and we were on Facebook or something like that. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, I really just missed out on a job opportunity because of freaking MySpace. It's and I tell my kids this story all the time. Like, You have to be careful because you never know. Don't allow yourself to be tagged in inappropriate things. Don't post inappropriate things. And. If you have a page that is represented, be be mindful about who's on your friend list, you know, who you're sharing things with, uh, commenting on, you know, public pages and things like that. And these are things that I've had to learn being, you know, in the industry that I'm in. And, you know, just people are going to look for these things. They are. It follows you. It does. Now, I couldn't log into my space to save my life at this point because you know but I'm sure that page is still somewhere out there and I hope I hope <laughs> that nobody ever looks up to Voya Bell on my space well uh, my name wasn't even Bell exactly. at that time. we'll just keep it at that but yeah but no that, God, that's so true um which goes right back to if you don't have those experiences how are you gonna talk to teenagers because a lot of people, and I've heard it, especially, you know, being in this field, I hear two things. Why would you work with the urban community? Because it's just kind of no point. You know, they have, I've heard people say that the urban community are, um, they act elitist. And I was like, that's what you got from that? Okay. I don't, okay. That's weird. So th- I've heard that. But then I've also heard across the board, when it comes to teenagers, they're the most difficult to deal with. I'm like, maybe for you, maybe you just don't have anything that's relatable. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the thing. And this is something that I've learned working, especially my teenagers, is that now, mind you, we're we're 37 years old. So I'm about 20 something. OK, you're OK. <laughs> we're millennials. And I know for a fact that you're older than me. So stop it. I'll be 37. <laughs> years. I don't mind sharing that. <clears throat> because these years have been earned. Thank you very much. That, you know what? Well, you put it that way. These years have been earned, but I try to, for the most part, stay abreast on what the new lingo is uh, as far as African-American vernacular English, because they change definitions of words all the time. And so, you know, I try to make sure that I'm, I'm staying culturally aware. 
And for me, even at 37 years old, I, I still love uh, rap music, hip hop, trap music, whatever you want to call it. So I'm usually abreast on what they're listening to and how that relates to how they're feeling. So I always try to make my kids, you know, know that, yeah, I may be now your mother's age uh-huh. because I am, unfortunately, but I'm also hip. You know, I am the hood therapist. I'm the therapist. Like, I still have two 12s in my car because nothing sounds good without a bass. And that's just that. That's that's just how I feel about that. And so what I'm able to tell my kids, it was like, Miss Bell, <laughs> what you doing with speakers in your car? Well, that's what I like. It's my private vehicle. But okay. just so you know. I'm still cool, you know, and so it it just helps to bring that sense of relatability to the relationship. Or when they ask me, well, who's who's my favorite rapper right now? And I can say somebody like a a, a Big Boogie or Pooh Shiesty that's coming out of Memphis. And they're like, what you know about Big Boogie? Uh-huh, or Pooh uh-huh. That's a trust there. Yeah, yeah. And, and it helps to build that rapport mm-hmm. because. You know, even though I'm older and I'm in this sort of this position of power, yeah. I still try to meet my kids where they at. I want to speak the language that they speak. Can I let them know yeah. it's okay for you to be expressive? This is your session. Mm-hmm. You know, this is your time. We're going to maintain some semblance of respect, but you speak the language that you need to speak. And I'm not going to fault you for that. You know, and I think that's that's the thing. You shouldn't have to contort yourself when you come into therapy. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's not a way that you have to be to go to therapy, a way that you have to speak or a way that you have to look, you know, or anything like that. And that's what I, I try to bring into that relationship is you can be yourself. Do you you can say as much problems? as you want or as little as you want. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I, I'm sorry. I cut you off. And I, I'm just wondering, do you have any colleagues that question your methods about like maybe oh, it shouldn't be too personal to boy because the line of you know respect is blurred blurred you know do you get that um I have gotten it before like I said there there's there's a fine line in establishing a good rapport with your clients and being just so totally open like I, you're gonna like we're not gonna be friends on social media mm-hmm. you know that's not gonna happen Mm-hmm. You know, if if we establish a relationship, you can call me Tavoya or Miss T or Miss Bell, whatever you're most comfortable with. You know, I'm not going to keep those, you know, I, if Mrs. Bell or whatever. <laughs> you know, we don't have to do that. It's, it's I just feel like it's it's so unnecessary. Um, but like I said, speaking the language that the people that you're working with speak like that's one of the biggest things, meeting mm-hmm. them where they are. Meeting those kids where they are, you know, and just understanding that. That's that's super important. I saw on your page and I think I've heard you talk about it a lot um, that the five, not necessarily the five love languages, but love languages apply the same to kids as they do adults. But sometimes, well, a lot of times we forget that kids, teenagers, they have these feelings and emotions too that they have to work through. Like, can you explain a little bit more about that? Like your thoughts on that? Well, the way kids express themselves, and like I said, this is just based on my experience, is a lot of it is through their music, what they're listening to. And I know these kids, they listen to a lot of um, who Juice World and extination okay. uh, and these these are people that talk about suicidal ideations <laughs> and you know death and dying and all of these kinds of things so when I talk to my kids about the music that they're listening to I always have them like play me play me the song that resonates with you the most mm-hmm. and tell me why this song resonates with you and they can explain to me like when he was rapping about this, man. I felt this because I went through and, and it begins to be an outlet for them because they can relate it to something. Okay. You know, or, you know, my, my brother got shot and this, this, that, and the third, and this song helped me get through this. Like uh, there's a song by Big Boogie called Mental Healing where he's talking about his mental health, you know? And so 
these rappers are now, you know, talking about things that we probably didn't hear back in the day. And these kids can relate to it's therapy for them. And to talk to somebody that understands why you're listening to this or what this message conveys, I think it's helpful. So I just really try to meet the kids where they are. That's huge. Look, I am I'm super excited for honest urban therapy because this is not something that you see. And I'm not just talking about in Memphis or Mississippi. I'm talking about just period. I struggle with this perspective, especially now in an international setting. <laughs> I have my views. Like today, I, I said something earlier when I was at the conference, not to everyone, because it's an international conference in Kuwait. So I'm very mindful of what I say. I don't want to, you know, offend mm-hmm. anybody. But within our class that's full of Americans and some of them are PhDs, um, my perspective on some things I think throws people because they're mm-hmm. so traditional. Not to say that that's wrong, but I kind of feel like if you're going to be a younger person within this field, you have to be relatable on some, you know, on some level. Yeah. You do. you, And you have to be culturally aware. The majority of the demographic that I serve, um, these are low-income African-American kids that have almost been written off. Uh, most of my kids have IEPs um, or 504 plans in school. Um, they've been medicated on top of medicated. And they've had therapists after therapists after therapists. And they always tell me that they don't talk to therapists because you're not supposed to put the people in your business, mm-hmm. but they mm-hmm. feel like they can talk to me because I let them know this is where I came from. You know, this is where I grew up. This is what I know. This is how I, because I allow them to ask me questions to sort of get, get to know me a little bit better. Like I said, of course there's a cutoff, you know, of course, there's a cutoff. But if they have certain questions like you, you have to realize that, yes, they're children, but they are also humans like look, they're little humans mm-hmm. like you. You treat them with the same respect you would give anybody else. And I think that's where we failed as a society in some respects is to give kids this this autonomy of being able to speak for themselves. You know, even with my own five-year-old, I tried to give him as much autonomy as possible. Okay, now I didn't like the fact that you did this, but can you talk to mommy and tell mommy why Why did you do this? Or why are you feeling like this? What happened? You know, so he can learn to express himself. That's it. And he just did. <laughs> but no, that's important because you're, goes back to what we were saying. You, in particular, are raising who will be a Black man, you Mm -hmm. know, and uh, a lot of our men don't know how to express themselves. And that's very tough when you are in a relationship with a woman who does. And it seems or it comes off, um, maybe you are um, not antisocial, what's the the word? Um, You're just not engaged or you don't Mm -hmm. want to talk or you're, you know, guarded, which may not be it, but... Who is the person that they could trust with their emotions when someone's always telling you, buck up or be a man at five, <laughs> you know, don't cry, things like that. So, no, I agree with you because I, I do that as well with my kids. I feel like they're at the age now where um, I don't want to hear them talk. I don't. I don't. I let them. I just, I just don't. <laughs> and it's probably because they're homeschooled now. <laughs> and I hear them talk all day long. OK, so I know. um I just want to switch it a little bit because I can talk to you all day. But oh. I wanted to know, since this is Women's History Month, what does that mean to you? Oh, Women's History Month. Um, it's just a, a reflection on how far we've come and how far we have to go. Uh, we, we, we see the recent tragedy um, in the Asian community that just happened. And it just makes me think like women, we, we, like I said, we've come so far, but we have so far, so far to go because I just thinking about the, 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 the criminalization of, of sex work and how, um, our 
own bodily autonomy is constantly on the chopping block. And so I think about all of these different things and how it affects me, you know, just on, on this level of like, oh my God, why are we still doing this? How are we still going through this? Like, just let women be women and we'll be okay. You know, just let us be, let us be. You know, that's great. I don't want to get too, you know, political or get too far into that. But I, I, like I said, I I reflect so much on where we have come and just where we have to go because it's still an uphill battle for women for basic, basic, basic human rights, you know. The basics. That's the thing. The basics. Okay. We're not separate humans, but whatever. So, <laughs> but I, um, man, I've enjoyed this time with you. Um, I had plenty of questions, but that's probably going to go into like the nighttime, but maybe you come back again next time. And we'll talk about something else. Maybe like Mother's Day or something. We could do like a special. Okay. Just Hopefully let me know. Outside. And we can do it. Yes. We'll try to do that one in person, maybe outside, hopefully with no mask, but we'll see how that goes. But anywho, uh, is there anything else that you want to share or you want to plug or um, advice? Or just, just keep a lookout. Um, Honest Urban Therapy is is going to be in full effect, hopefully. I, I have a timeline. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm working to get fully licensed and I probably have maybe about a year to go before I'm fully licensed and can practice independently. Um, follow my Instagram page. And I'll put that on the socials as well. For, yeah, for for some some good insight, I try to post things that are relatable and just you know good good content. Get to know me, um, Jessica. I appreciate you inviting me on on your podcast. Get into it, honey. Get into it. I love it. I love it. I'm so happy and proud of you. And like I said, hopefully this is a a, a good reconnection point for us. And after this panoramic is over, we Look, can get the little ones together. <laughs> we can get the little ones together. Uh, yes, but I've think, learned so many p words this year and last year. Mm-hmm. Once we get out of this Panera bread, we'll, right. we'll be okay. We'll be okay. All of it. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And thank you for being silly with me. I appreciate yes, all man. the uh, reminiscent times where you have hurt me. <laughs> no, I'm just oh, no. I'm just kidding. Uh, see. What we're not gonna do. No, I'm literally specifically thinking about the goddamn pants that you had me put on. (laughs) One day, one day, we'll talk again and we'll get into some of those other things. (laughs) But yes, that's fun. Thank you so much, Jessica. You're welcome. It's so fun. Okay, well, I'm gonna make sure that I put all your information on the socials. And until next time. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Get Into It Podcast. I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. Make sure you subscribe, comment, and share with others. Also, make sure you follow us on social media. IG, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Let me know what you thought of today's podcast. I upload episodes every week on Tuesdays. Until then, peace, love, and light. Go get us.